Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, oh, it's a cracker. It's Alex Lowe, Clinton Baptiste, Barry from Watford, and we are, you're in for a treat, because we, we have a right laugh today, and, uh, and it's, it's a real cracker of an episode. Um, before we get on with it, just a few, few quick thank yous. So thanks to 76 for producing this um, podcast. Thank you to um, Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. And, uh, and I should say as well, that if this is your first time listening to Off The Beat and Track podcast... Uh, when you get to the end of this episode uh, with Alex, then please go and have a, a rummage in the uh, in the back catalogue because there's 200 or so episodes in there. Um, we we discuss a few acts uh, during this chat that have, have featured on the podcast as well. So go and um, give them ones a listen. And if you like like comedians, um, you can hear. Um, people such as James Acaster, Ed Gamble, Jade Adams, Rich Wilson. Uh, gosh, I'm sure there's plenty more that I've been on, and I'm probably offending them by not mentioning them. And yeah, so there's 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 200 plus episodes now for you to go and get stuck into. So go and explore the the back catalogue. And if that's not enough, you can also support the podcast over on Patreon. Uh, so I put up four radio shows each week over there where uh, play some great tunes and and have a chat and I'll put up video episodes over there and and by doing uh by, by heading over there and supporting uh patreon it, it really does kind of help keep me producing this podcast because it is a labor of love um and it's a gloriously wonderful labor of love um to do but uh yeah any kind of help um over on the patrons will be greatly appreciated Okay, you can find out about all of this stuff, by the way, at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Back to today. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Alex Lowe. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Okay, we are recording sitting opposite me today. Alex Lowe, hello. Hello there. Great How are you to be, great to be asked. Yeah, great. Thanks. Great, great, great. Good, good. We've had a we've had a chat. We've already put the world to rights, so uh, <laughs> yeah. be uh, be interesting to uh, to see where this chat's going to go. Um, before we get on to uh, track choices, I just want to kind of ask you as a you know as a comedian and as a human being, how have you found twenty twenty? 
I really, you know this endless mantra you get nowadays about uh, where people say, oh, it's good to talk about mental health. Oh, it's, you know, you must be brave, very brave of you to speak up about mental health. And, uh, you know, there shouldn't be this male idea or this British idea of stiff upper lip and not facing the fact that you're finding it difficult. I honestly didn't think that applied to me. I thought, Oh, that's for other people. I'm perfectly right. But even I have found this quite testing. And, uh, you know, not in a sort of curling up in a fetal ball, but the sort of um, low-level anxiety that if you really thought about this a lot and about time ticking away, there's so many facets to it that I found, you know, I don't mean alarming, you know, as I say, low-level low level anxiety-making. Like, I was on tour. I was halfway through my tour as Clinton Baptiste, and for the first time in my life, after, you know, waiting for crumbs from the table of the rich and famous, I was actually out there doing my show and selling out all over the country. And I was thinking to myself, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is I will either lose my voice, which happened on stage to me before, or there'll be some disaster at home and I'll have to come home. I did not see a worldwide pandemic wiping out the tour. So, so that was the first thing that upset me. I've, I've also got, we were talking about it, we've both got kids. The sudden horror of the sort of economic um, Armageddon that this may cause and, and, and just on a day-to-day level about my kids not being able to go out and meet friends and do stuff. So I found that very difficult. Um, so I really, really have found it quite tough and much tougher than I thought because being self-employed, I could still stay at home. I often spend time at home, but the, the, the thought of not, not knowing where, where it's going and before there was a vaccine. I mean, honestly, I nearly burst into tears when I heard that, that vaccine was ready to roll out. And I just pray that that is all going to work out properly. So that's a rather a long answer to a simple question. No, no, but I that's, found it that's quite a, difficult. I, I, do you know what? You, you've literally echoed my complete stance on on, on that completely. Yeah. And every now and again, I've I've been you know I've, I've been pretty blessed with. I've not sort of struggled with my mental health throughout my life. I've been quite yeah. lucky there. Yeah. But oh, yeah, it has been a struggle, and and and, I, and it's that exact thing of the enormity. Of thinking, where's this going? Yes, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. the bit that can, you know, not knowing. That's the bit that, I, you know, how do you distract yourself from them thoughts or do you entertain them or do you throw yourself into something to kind of... Yeah, well, I am a bit of a workaholic, which is sort of all right, but I don't think that my wife and kids like it too much. I can't... I sort of grew up with this, uh, dare I say it, sort of Thatcherite. Well, the time when I grew up, I'm slightly older than you, but there was a kind of Thatcherite mantra about if you want something enough, you work hard enough, you'll get it. Plainly, that's not true, right? Uh, But there's a big thing about, you know, work, and there's a big thing in my family, my parents, kind of lower middle class people. Any of this artistic bullshit was all seen as a little bit silly, and one time you'll have to knuckle down and get a nine to five. And I have honestly spent, and I should go and see some psychiatrist about this, but I have spent all my career looking over my shoulder thinking, 
you know, what are you doing? There are people of your age doing triple heart bypass surgery and you're arsing about trying to write a joke about someone's knob falling off, you know. Uh, so I've always felt this latent guilt about doing any of this. So my answer to everything is to really throw myself into work. So I do podcasting, I write for other people, I do double act with Dan, we, I do Patreon, I'm doing a newsletter as Clinton, I do stand-up, I've started doing a thing with Jane Horrocks, the actress, which is a sort of speculative thing. None of this stuff ever seems to generate any money, or at least it doesn't straight off. Somewhere down the line it might, yeah. you know, segue into something. So I just work very, very hard all the time, and it's, it's irritating. I very often go to bed thinking, I haven't done enough today. And uh, that's not a lot of fun for other people to live with, I, I don't think. I speak to lots of comedians, actors, producers, DJs, you know, musicians on this podcast. And it, and it does feel that in the kind of creative industry, yeah. you have to be able to spin a few plates to kind of get by. It feels like unless you just get to the very top of your... Yes. You know, your chosen field, you have to do a bit of this and a bit of that and, you know, dip me toe in and do a bit of this, to, you know, to that, kind of have enough sort of irons in the fire to kind of keep the bills being paid. That, that is absolutely true. And I think, you know, growing up, I remember my mum was always on about me doing the knowledge and maybe I could work as a cabbie, which is not a bad idea, except for any young aspiring people, uh, artists, actors, musicians, anyone who wants to work in the arts, I think it's so much better if you can have a second string that is in some way to do with the arts. If it involves you going working in a call centre, that will either send you insane or you won't be able to do your other thing because you'll become reliant on that. Yeah. You know. So I suppose if I did do the noise, I became a black cab driver, I'd just spend the whole time driving around and not doing any of the other stuff. Uh, but I mean, the, other, the great thing is, which, you know, we can attest to doing this now is that in the last few years this new media all these platforms you know we're sitting here i'm recording on a digital recorder we're on zoom we're putting it out as a podcast i do patreon you know you can put out a video and stick it on facebook or youtube or this one i've got a single coming out as barry from watford which is going on now what's it called band where you sell camp. band camp there's that there's all this stuff so really, you know, you have no excuse. If you're one of these actors who are sitting at home waiting for your agent to phone up, mate, you know, it's all out there if you'll just kind of investigate yeah. the, the, the new media. And I'm really awful at technology, but I've had to sort of force myself to learn certain things. Yeah. God, listen well, to me. I sound like I think I'm brilliant, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is it is out there for you to try and diversify a bit. Yeah, or, or just retrain. That's what the government says. <laughs> well, that's just what Richard Shunak said, isn't it? <laughs> Why don't you fucking retrain? Go and do it. God almighty. All right, Alex, track one. Yeah. The song with the greatest ever intro, please. Okay. Now, this is, this is controversial because some people might say, oh, my God, what's so great about that? Uh, I don't know whether anyone else has chosen this, but The Smiths, last night I dreamt that somebody loved me. And oh. it's got that wonderful, it, which, I, which I read only today, was taken from a BBC uh, sound effects record, which is something like a, um, a mi the minor strike or something. It does sound like that. It sounds like a lot of people struggling 
in a sort of revolutionary kind of way. But the thing I love about it, it goes on and on and on for a minute and a half. And just when you think, God, is this going on forever? It absolutely smashes in with the most kind of poignant, awful lyrics. Last night I dreamt that somebody loved me. And it was just a dream and I just sort of carried on and life's just a shit. And I just, you know, it's also quite difficult to predict when it's going to come in, that, yeah. that opening line. But it's sort of this long, long introduction and then it absolutely smacks you between the eyes. I love it. Perfect choice. Um, yeah. And it's not just when that vocal comes in. It's it, When it does come, there's like a, a kind of stark searing string that's it that, that's that, it that cuts through it as well yeah isn't it? that's right uh, it's like a uh a diminished chord yeah uh, and it's like uh and it's it is it's a it's a brilliant uh and and i and i was reading that they never did it live the smiths that's what i read right. today but i did hear morrissey i i went to see him at earl's court and I went to see him at Ali Pali, and I think I've been to see him a third time. I won't go and see him anymore because I'm so upset about the shit he comes oh, out with. And Alex, it's a real it's like, shame. It, it's, this has come up a lot, this conversation. Yeah, really. I mean, when, when the nature of these questions, people growing up in yeah. you know, the 80s and such, yeah. you know, as so many of my guests did, Michael Jackson gets mentioned a lot, and yeah. Morrissey gets mentioned a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm. I'm Literally got Morrissey lyrics tattooed all over me. Right, right, sure. I'm, I'm, sure. A, I'm an obsessive. Right. Um, yeah. But he's just said some dumb shit. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. and I just, part of me just thinks, no, he, 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 he can't be because he was that voice of comfort. He was that, yeah. Yeah. he was your saviour, Morrissey, you know, for yeah, the, yeah. you know, for the young and lost. He was telling you how it was Absol- all going to be. Absolutely. And, absolutely. And I'd, so the question I'm going to sort of raise is, you know, with the likes of, you know, Jackson and, and, and Morrissey. And, and Glitter. You said, and Glitter, you yeah. know, who's got some incredible records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but can you separate the man from the art? Can you still listen to your Smiths records? Well, I know you said you wouldn't I, go and watch Morrissey live. No, I can still listen to them. And, you know, you'll find out from all my musical choices, they are all from... I'm a real. I'm really into sort of nostalgia, and exactly what I was doing at the time. Um, I can divorce them from that. I, I. I mean, the other day, I was. I've had bought some newer stuff from Morrissey, which I, I'm less certain about. I mean, um, Jackie's only happy when she's up on the stage. You know that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was listening to that, and then I went on a on a chat forum to see what we think the lyrics are about, and someone says. He quite clearly says Brexit halfway through. Everyone's heading for the exit, Brexit. And I think, oh, God, I don't know what... I'm not quite certain what he said, but it just reminded me of the other shit he comes out with. Yeah. And there's a line in there about blacker than ever before, this country's making me sick. And I think, I don't want to sit here wondering... Uh, yeah. I just don't want to hear it, you know. I hear enough of that shit all the time. To have it in my in my private special yeah. time. Uh, my wife is mixed race. Uh, she occasionally endures some sort of casual racism. She's opened my opened my eyes to stuff that's said, which I probably wouldn't have noticed as a white middle class bloke. 
I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to even have to sit there and fathom what Morrissey means, what he doesn't mean, whether it's ambiguous. I just don't want to go anywhere near it. I just don't want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, you know, throughout the, the 80s with the Smiths, you know, you'd read into his lyrics and you'd be, you know, you'd, you'd be looking for sort of meaning in such, but not... Not the way that you listen to a Morrissey song now, where you'd no. be listening to it, questioning it for all the wrong reasons. You know, yeah. you're just thinking, "Oh, hang on a minute! Oh God, that's not good." Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not one for really. I don't read the music press. I don't. This was a real because I knew I was coming on today. I thought I'd just check out a couple of things, but um, things like Irish Blood, English Heart. Uh, you know, some of those lyrics sound like the sort of. It just sounds so sort of naturalistic. I'll die with both my hands untied. It's the sort of thing you would you hear Tommy Robinson saying. This sort yeah. of noble, you know, British and bow down to your masters. It's got that sort of feel to it. That the rest of the world can be slaves, but we'll always be... I don't know what it... I mean, maybe I've got that wrong. Yeah. But I just something about that... Um, I, I suddenly feel uneasy about it. And it was all there, and I was there singing along with everyone else. And now I think, hold on, this all sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. a bit <laughs> dodgy, you know. Yeah. Well, well let's go back um, probably before before um, the, the Smiths. Um, for track yeah. two, I'm yeah. going to ask you, the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Okay, well, you know, this is really, you'll think this is madness. But uh, it's it's... <laughs> <laughs> Mandy by Barry Manilow. Okay. And and it's just that that lyric, you know, it's so great. It sort of reminds me of my wife, right? You came and you gave without taking, but I sent you away. It's so kind of tragic. You just get this. My wife is so kind, you know. She's so kind. She's a genuinely decent decent is the word. She's a school teacher. She's genuinely decent. It's not for any other reason. It's not about getting promotion. It's not about being seen to be decent in the staff room. She's one of these people in life you meet occasionally who is absolutely, for the sake of being decent, somehow she is decent. She'll... she'll... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You know, I, I, how can I explain? You know, it's, there's no angle to her. Yeah. And, and there's something about that lyric that, um, you know, this guy, Barry Manilow, <laughs> has this woman in his life called Mandy, who he takes for granted. And then she, she gives everything of herself without taking anything from him. And in that casual way that you might do as a younger man, you go, yeah, all right, not interested. And then years yeah. later, you go, my God, that was that, that was it right yeah. in front of me. And I fucked it up. And uh, so, I, there's something about that. When did you hear that? When, when was this? Oh, yeah, I was probably, I was probably about, uh, what was it, about 1977 or 78. Right so I'd been 10 years old. And I went to my cousin's wedding. And it was her favourite song. And... Uh, and there's just a bit in it where he says something like the pain is calling and there's a kind of, you know, a, a glissando or, or a sort of, there's almost a sort of, I don't know whether it's strings or a guitar, but there's something that sounds a bit like that Smith thing. There's a chord, a sort of searing, yeah. uh, uh, sliding chord that sort of feels like the pain in his heart. And for a tenure, I thought it was, you know. It was what? What was the emotion? Um, dr- dra- dramatic. I like the sort of drama. You know, an actor. I was a child actor as well. I like that sense of drama. Yeah. You know, I like a d- dramatic song, and you know, I like a sort of painful song as well. I'm happy to say, Touchwood. My life so far has been pretty good and easy, and you know, with the exception of a couple of things, I've I, which were devastating in my life. You know most things have been pretty good. So I think I sort of can enjoy vicariously, you know, the drama and the tragedy of songs. I quite like a sad song, you know. Last Night I Dreamt Somebody Loved Me is probably one of the most dramatic Smith songs, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think I was really a very... I was always, you know, I had tons of friends and all that sort of stuff, but... I think once you, you know, I was sort of into jazz funk and all that sort of thing when I was about 15. And then I went to Sixth Form College in Harrow, uh, Harrow Weald. And I was surrounded by people like Shami Chakrabarti, the head of Liberty, who was a friend of mine there. This is just a comprehensive college. And my friend Jacques Peretti, who's a big documentary filmmaker, who famously went to Neverland to, to film Michael Jackson. Right. Um, there were there some... Sort of TV producers, um, Guido Fawkes was the guy who did that, you know, he, he was in my sixth form. And it was some, there was just something about it where suddenly that indie music and uh, the likes of Morrissey and uh, the cult and the cure and um, I used to really be into the, ha- the house masters, but there was a slightly different thing, an indie feel that I really loved and... Yeah, all I was going to say was yeah. No, I was I I wasn't a particularly disenfranchised, lonely person, but I do I did like the um, you know the drama of Morrissey and all that. And after a lot of happy clappy disco, uh, Greg Edwards' best disco in town stuff that I used to listen to in the early eighties, this was quite a refreshing thing. Okay, um, you for for those that um, might have. Uh, of not quite understood because we had to kind of reset the the, the recording options there because it was you, your mic was getting a bit crackly. Um, what I did hear 
um, which I don't know if that bit might get removed, was when you 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 sort of finish saying that, you know, that the, the kind of stuff regarding like the 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 jazz funk thing that was happening in the early eighties, yeah, and then discovering like Morrissey. Now you also touched upon um, bands such as the House Martins. I mean, was uh, around this sort of time, you know, and you, you touched on you know Thatcher as well earlier. Um, do do you think that? That was a bit of a political awakening as well, discovering bands like the House Martins and the Smiths. And yeah, like that. very much so. And I was really into uh, Billy Bragg. I mean, I thought yeah. about adding some Billy Bragg to this today. Um, just, I make no apology for this. You know, you do, just at that sort of age, you start do start questioning things. And I remember we had a sort of particularly sort of radical uh, history teacher invited a striking miner to come in and talk to us. And of course, you know, growing up in Northwest London. We're all quite fairly affluent, you know. It didn't really occur to you up until then, you know. And then you say that, well, yeah, well, hold on a minute. The police are charging into these people. They're they're not criminals, you know. Um, So that, for the first time, sort of awakened me to that. And then I was with a band and we started doing benefit gigs for the printers at Wapping. Uh, That was a big thing then, Rupert Murdoch sacking on the printers, which... I don't know. I've, I don't know how I feel about that now. I think there was some some real piss taking going on there with the printers, but you know, some people probably dad, badly uh, dealt with. Um, so yeah, that was very much definitely that was a. T- was, that, was that all around the time of like the red wedge stuff that Weller was doing yeah, as well? Yeah, and, yeah, and Billy Bragg right. was obviously heavily well, involved in that, I, wasn't he? I was really into uh, the Bronski beat and uh, the Communards. I've since yeah. met Richard Coles a few times, and you know, you know what these are like when you meet these people. You think, my God, the people yeah. you are, who are your real heroes from back in the yeah. day. He, he's one Wonderful. of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 go back in the day, and uh, for track three, I'm going to ask you to song remind you of your time at school, please, Alex. Yeah, this um, I used to do a lot of recording off the radio and stuff, as everyone did. I had a Sansui Music Centre. Uh, in the 80s, eight, 1982, and it is this, this is another another strange thing, I noticed you spoke to uh, uh, Ian McCluskey, what's his name, mm-hmm. McCluskey, who's the guy from OMD? Um, uh, McCluskey, um, oh, um, oh, I forgot his name. Right, make sure this is cut out, this picture, we can't remember Oh my name. gosh. Ian McCluskey's uh, a union leader, I'm thinking of... Uh, yes. Uh, McCluskey. Andy, Andy McCluskey. Right, okay, let's just go back. Cut this bit out. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> Hold on. I noticed uh, you you spoke to Andy McCluskey from... Uh... I'm leaving this in. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> Ian McCluskey was the head of the... Uh, what was he? Transport and something. Workers. Yeah. Ian McCluskey. He didn't write in Olegay. <laughs> he didn't write in Olegay. But it was, you know, uh, I used to like OMD. I mean, I really think... There, there used to be a time in the charts where there was room for music which had an oboe in it, for example. And this okay. song really reminds you that Talking Loud and Clear. Do you remember that? Uh, Orchestra mm-hmm. Maneuvers in the Dark. Just a lovely, lovely, twinkly little song which was all about kind of being in love. And uh, I, I really, I love them. In fact, they had some great songs, OMD. They're one of those bands that... You know, they were always around. They were never particularly glamorous, were they? They were never, never particularly uh, rebellious. Or, but they were always there or thereabouts. And they had some great songs. And yeah, that's, that's the one records. I like. Yeah. 
And so what, what would be the, the track that you're going to choose? Talking Loud and Clear. Orchestral you're going to go for dark. that. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. How, how was school, Alex? How was school? Hmm. Well, to be honest, I didn't really enjoy it that much. It was all right. It was a massive comprehensive in uh, North Harrow, in northwest London. Uh, it was, you know, like any other school, it had its hard lads. It had... Uh, it was all right. I, I, I did quite a lot of drama. I was a, a young uh, child actor. And I had my group of friends. It wasn't... I, I, I just... I was quite pleased to leave. I, I, it was lovely, as, as I said, I went to Harrowweald Sixth Form College and suddenly I was surrounded by kind of like-minded people who were into music and the arts and acting and, you know, they were just funny and sort of refreshing. There were a lot of twats at my school before that. Yeah. I mean, I always think, you know, with my kids, there's a sort of mantra about, um, you know, does he enjoy school? What's he like at school? Well, how's the school? A part of me goes, you know what? It was something you have to get through. I don't, I didn't particularly enjoy it. I didn't hate it with a passion, but honestly, I was pretty glad to leave. It wasn't the greatest thing in my life. Uh, so you know, you said you said you was you know a child actor. Yeah. Was you was you a confident kid? Yeah, yeah. I was a bit of a massive show off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. probably I would be appalled if there was videotape of me showing off. Uh, but. You know, yeah, I, I was very confident and I, my brother and I, when, in 1979, we came runners-up in the Walls Cornetto Junior Talent Contest at the Blue Waters Holiday Camp seat in Devon, which was us, me playing the piano, my brother playing the drums, me doing my impressions, and he was sort of my straight man. And, uh, you know, it's something I've always done, performing. Uh, so, yeah, I think I, in those days I thought it was just all about showing off. I since realised... It's slightly more complicated being an actor. You're supposed to interpret the text and serve the play that someone's written. It's not about you cavorting around the stage. So, uh, did yeah. you like the attention? Yeah, I did like the attention. Yeah, very, very much. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I don't think. I mean, I don't think I was so ghastly. I did. I did meet other ghastly stage school kids. My parents were very, as I said, kind of low middle class. Uh, nine to five suburban people, so they were not given to <laughs> too much of this showing off business. I think yeah. one of the most damning things was always, "Can you stop showing off, Alex?" Which you know, it's yeah. painful at that age. It really is, isn't it? Isn't that, it? that 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 really term horrible. there. Yeah, I can. I've got many many memories of of being in like my parents' car, going to like a family gathering, yeah, and it. just getting that word in the ear before we got out of the that's car. It. No showing off tonight. And it's like, oh. Yeah, it was really damning, wasn't it? Because it actually cuts right to the core of who you are. I mean, that's, you kind of thinking, this is the best thing about me, the showing off. But you're, you know, it's it's sort of almost you've been found out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, really horrible. But I mean, my brother and I, it's really funny. We used to have big family Christmases and we were the only two. Like, he was always doing demo tapes. He's been in all sorts of bands, my brother. Always doing demo tapes and always wanting to play the demo tapes to uncles and aunts and cousins who just weren't that interested. It was, when I think about it now, my poor brother was a brilliant drummer. He is a brilliant drummer, still is. And then I would be sort of, you know, I'd have been doing some sort of acting. But, you know, the wider family, it was, oh, God, anathema to them. They hated it. It's a load of crap. 
they're all sort of <laughs> scientists and into business or something. You know. <laughs> did Did you know what you wanted to be at school? Was Was acting? Yeah, where you you were you was focused on. Yeah, straight. I, I've only ever wanted to do that, and uh, apart from being a professional footballer, but I. I've fast thinking those days have gone. I've nearly given up that ambition. Um, Yeah, so I did want to. And then I think when I got into my late teens, I sort of went a bit like, oh, I don't want to do that. Then I did a degree in drama. And my mate, Justin Chadwick, he's a big Hollywood film director now. Uh, He directed um, Long Walk to Freedom, you know, the Nelson Mandela thing. Mm. He was my best mate. He's one of my best friends. Uh, I remember him saying, but what do you really want to do? And I was thinking, well, it's not a question of what I want to do. It's surely it's about, you know, knuckling down when you get out to the big wide world. But I, he sort of went, well, you know, do what you want. I said, actually, yeah, that is the only thing I want to do is be an actor. And, you know, luckily, thank God, I've managed to do it so far for a career. First thing you remember buying from a record shop? Well... Here's the thing. The first record I ever bought was Cruel to be Kind by Nick Lowe. Mm-hmm. Purely because we had the same surname. So that's all I've got to say <laughs> about that. And it's a great song, and I listened to it this morning. But I would say it was fast fast followed by Gertrude by Chaz and Dave. Oh, what a great record. What a great record. And uh, I'm pleased to say I'm, I'm, I'm mates with uh, Paul Garner, who's his son-in-law. And uh, Kate Hodges, who's Chaz's uh, daughter. And oh, I've wonderful. met Chaz a couple of times. It was really thrilling. I mean, some great, great tunes they did. I, yeah. I, I was listening on Radio 2 the other month, and they had Paul Heaton on. And he was talking about one of his favourite records, which I've since downloaded, which I love, Haley's Comet by Chaz mm-hmm. and Dave. Brilliant lyrics, beautifully syncopated lyrics. And... Uh, he, Paul Heaton said, you know, it, it, the, Chaz and Dave are to London what the Smiths are to Manchester. 100%. Isn't it? It's absolutely that sound of... And it's great. Great musicians as well. It's, you know, you yeah. dismiss them as a sort of novelty... Um, Completely. You know, the Baron Knights. They're not. Mm. You know, great, great musicians. It's, it's so weird. Them, them family parties that I'd be told not to show off at, <laughs> yeah. at some point, invariably, there was a... a, a Chaz and Dave album. It was. It must have been like a great hits, and it was like a kind of um, a sort of comic book cover. Yes, and uh, of like an East End boozer, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. And that album would get put on at every kind of family party once yeah. everyone had had enough, you know, enough boozing, and that had come on, and there'd be a bit of a sing song. Love it. And and I, I you know, it's, that holds really strong memories for me. But I also remember thinking at the time it was a bit novelty, and it's only as you get older. Yeah. And you start to listen to Chaz and Dave, you just think, do you know what? Yeah. A, they don't sound like anything else. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know. That's not easy to do. No, that's <laughs> and, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they've got incredible records and amazing lyrics. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm a big fan. You know, they are, look, there's no point in pretending. They're, they, they're on the sort of comedy side of things. There's some mm. witty lyrics. But I'm a real sucker for a sort of great, funny, witty lyric or a great story told in a song. I mean,. Yeah. You know, something that's not just, I love you, baby, won't you come back to me, baby. You know, yeah. uh, you know. I, the other day, I, I often I have it on in the car, is um, A Boy Named Sue. Yeah. What a, I mean, a great story and really performed and it's funny as well. That sort of thing. I do like a nice story in something. 
Can you see me? Oh, I've lost you. Yeah. Have you? Oh, there you are. Got you back? Yep, yep, we're back. We're okay. back. You, you mentioned the House Martins, Ellen, and you just mentioned Paul Heaton again. Yeah. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on Paul Heaton? You know, I, I happen to think he's a, he's a, bit, of a, a bit of a treasure. I was really obsessed with the House Martins when I was about 18. I absolutely loved everything about them. That that really, really was where I was at. Sort of uh, fashionably unfashionable with the tank yeah. top. I had a flat top at the time. I had a sort of hooded, <laughs> a sort of beige hooded jacket, uh, 501s, which I still wear. I've worn probably every day since I would say about 1985 I've worn 501s. Only because I don't have any imagination. But I was sort of, you know, they were absolutely what I liked. They were sort of funny, irreverent, yeah. uh, had a sort of left-wing bias. That, that was very much what I was into. And they were sort of young and, I don't know, it sort of coincided with the time when I wanted to go up north and do my drama degree. There was yeah. something about Hull 4, London nil that also appealed to me, getting out of this kind of yeah. middle-class suburban London and going and meeting... This sounds really wanky now, but going and meeting real people, which yeah. is exactly what did happen. And I, and I often lament those long-lost days of going to parties in tiny terraced houses in Leicester, where I did my degree, and everyone pushed up together drinking warm cans of lager. You know... <laughs> That really felt like that time, and uh, the House Martins, you know, was very much where I was at, you know. Um, uh, but Paul Heaton, yeah, I mean, I'd have to say there's a couple of beautiful South songs I like, but in the main, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. Um, and well, he fascinates me as a pop star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, he's kept going. Bloody hell, mm. I mean... Uh, you know, you could you could sort of easily have disappeared by now. Yeah, that's sort of mm. interesting. And and one of the most powerful, soulful, beautiful voices. Yeah. Such a soulful voice. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Well, let's talk about clubbing. <laughs> and for track five, the song that soundtrack your time clubbing, okay. please, Alex. My time clubbing. Clubbing, I use in a loose sense. It would be my clubbing days were spent at, you know, people's parties where we'd have a disco in a church hall. Or when I got to Leicester, I used to go to a club called the Bear Cage, which is now the Cookie Comedy Club, the Cookie Club, right in the main drag in Leicester. And it was a sort of indie disco. Yeah. So, um, very much the song was Happy Hour by the House Martins would would sum oh, up my my clubbing days where we used to do something which we called rucking, which we just involved pushing people like uh, like the cult, <laughs> which we would do at any given opportunity. <clears throat> um, but at the same time, well, I would be at Leicester Polytechnic Students Union uh, dancing to the Pasadena's. Um, was it Driving on a Train? What was that called? They had Tribute, then they had Riding on a Train. Riding on a Train. Riding yeah. on a Train, which was always being played at the Scrapped-Off campus uh, at Leicester, which was populated by a load of arty types. There were fine artists, actors, musicians, dancers, 
and it was a bit like a sort of mad funny farm you know the it always reminded me of the alpine ranch in wham's last christmas it was sort of it was this big sort of wooden shack but it was just it was like a middle class holiday camp it was fantastic to go away we were just on the piss all the time this clubbing thing there seemed to be a disco every bloody night at the student union and then we had people turn up to this this little crappy site you know which is part of leicester polytechnic we had deacon blue there the christians came there uh, i know squeeze played down in the main union but we had some amazing people who who came along and we had comedians where jerry sadowitz came along we had the usual selection of um uh you know hypnotists freshers week hypnotists and you know, so so that song, the Pasadenas, reminds me of that time, and also the House Martins, which was a big floor filler with us, trendy, lefty, arty, poncy types. <laughs> well, uh, we've, with all of that, so some of them bands that you mentioned there, like the Christians and uh, and, and, and Deacon Blue, like I, I kind of yeah. guess that was a, a weird time. Well, that really what, like eighty seven, yeah, maybe eighty seven, yeah, yeah. And and that was a kind of strange time because it sort of seemed to sort of signal the end of the Smiths and yes. and, and 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 lots of the kind of post punk stuff and the, the you know the, the the stuff that was happening in electronic music you know with the you know I guess the Talons a lot of new romantic thing and the goth thing was fizzling out and yeah and it was kind of before all of the stuff that kind of then sort of kicked back in in Manchester and, and, and things like that yes. and there was just that weird period yeah of kind of very well produced guitar yes pop, yes like deacon blue the christians tears for fears yeah. and things like that did, did that did that kind of yeah. find its way on your stereo that kind that, of absolutely definitely i mean i still listen to it now i mean that mm. uh that uh tears for fears album with uh um sowing the seeds of love what was that called that that album? it was called seeds of love yeah so right. I, I still I, listen, I listened to that this morning absolute epic that epic sound and i tell you the one that i love this is my second well it's probably my first favorite band ever uh i don't know what the musos out there will think of this i'll be laughed out of town but the sundays harriet have Williams. you have you have you listened to any of my radio shows alex no is that who you play right so it's quite well documented on them radio shows. Right. My love of Harriet Wheeler's oh, voice, who I regard too. as having the most beautiful oh. voice ever. Right. Uh, now, what the hell happened to her? Right. So, this is, this is the question oh, I ask on every single one of my shows. Where is Harriet Wheeler? Why is she denying the world that voice? Okay. I'll tell you everything I know, because that's the only other time I've looked on discussion boards, is that... Now, who do I speak? Ah, now, here's an interesting one. Here's an interesting... This is going to fascinate you. The other day, I went out to dinner at Nick Begg's house. You know Nick? Kajigugu. Nick Begg's of Kajigugu. And I'm one of the only people that, in 1987, bought the album by Ellis Beggs and Howard. Okay. I've probably got it here. He gave me a load of uh, vinyl when I went there. He's a big uh, Clinton Baptiste fan. I went to his house in Leighton Buzzard for dinner with my wife. Uh, this is during a period when it was safe with lockdown. We, we, we won't break any rules. Sorry, and Alex, how does that come about? How do you find yourself going it, for lunch with Nick Beggs of Kajagoogoo? He came to, he's a big uh, Clinton Baptiste fan. It's, it's amazing the people who are remember it. Nothing to do with me. It's because they like Peter Kay and they like Phoenix Knights. So he came to see me doing a gig 
there was an obvious joke that my hair is very similar to his, as Clinton. <laughs> uh, so I was in there, I said, you take the piss. Oh, crap, who is this? Fucking hell, Peter Stringfellow's <laughs> let himself go and all that. So uh, I went to his house and the, I tell you who was there, Stephen Wilson, porcupine tree. Uh, the, uh, who's playing the O2 soon? But the the thing that you know, I, I I just think that I would direct anyone that is unsure of the Sunday to just check out. Oh. If they want something that's probably familiar to their ears. Just listen to her cover "Wild Horses" by the Rolling Stones. Yeah, and and it will it will cut you into it's yeah. it's I mean, heart wrenchingly beautiful. I mean, I honestly the other day I was playing it and I said to my wife, I wonder what she's doing now. And she said, Well. She would be about 60 now. It's funny that, you know, you, you imagine this kind of young ingenue, uh, sort of from my time as a shoegazing, jangly guitar, floppy-haired twat. And yeah. she's actually, you know, and she's brought up a family. I remember, I remember the big thing reading, is it Dave Wheeler, David Wheeler, her yeah. husband, that um, they stopped to bring up a family. You think, well, yeah. the family's grown up now, long, yeah. long grown up. Because they, they they did come back, didn't they, with the track like "Summertime" and uh, and, and stuff like that from yeah. the you know in the mid nineties. Yeah, and, it, and and yeah, it was just they and were, then it just seemed to just disappear. And the amount of people like yeah. you're not the first person really? that's openly declared your oh. love of the Sundays, and it's like I just think why deny the world that beautiful that's voice? So it's fantastic! Like, I tell you who I got in touch with. Um, Oh God! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! He's a very good friend of mine. His name's gone. David Quantic. David Quantic. Very good friend right. of mine. I mean, I I've worked with him a few times. <laughs> He's a mate of mine. Yeah. And I asked David Quantic, and he said the man to speak to is David Badil, who knows them or used to know them. And if I remember rightly, didn't Badil and Andrew Newman use one of their songs as a yes. theme tune on something? I think you're right. And I don't I know whether right. I ever did get in touch with David Baddiel. I didn't, well, I sort of know him a bit, but I kind of thought, what am I going to say? You know, I don't know what he's going to say. Yeah. But I could ask him. I don't know yeah. whether he's any the wiser. But, I mean, it's just amazing. If you were, I always think this, I was saying to Nick Beggs about this, you know, if you're in a band, it always kills me that they split up. What's this other yeah. great thing that's going to happen in your life? Yeah. Hang on to it, because it's not going to happen twice, is it? It's quite weird with, with, with Kajagoogoo. Like, they just... It, it's really weird. Like, the first record I ever bought was Now That's What I Call Music, the first ever one. Right. And they're on it twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and uh, they're on it with Too Shy and yeah. then Life, Big Apple, Big which Apple, I think yeah, Nick, yeah. Nick sung that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, and then just completely just... It all just seemed to just fold, didn't it? And well, it was like, I can tell you part of the true story. Because we discussed okay. this the other night, but I'm not going to say it now. Okay, all right. Well, I've had Lamol on here. Oh yeah, uh, well, what's I've, his take I've, on it? Uh, no, I didn't go there. I didn't no. go there. I, I, I was just kind of more curious as to the resurgence of interesting, never-ending story from its use on Stranger Things, yes, which has yes. kind of yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. reignited. Uh, you know, the fact that my kids knew it, which I thought was quite strange, because my kids don't really understand any of the music I ever listened well, to or I have no kind of... Uh... This is the most amazing thing. It's, honestly, Lamar lives about two minutes from my house. I know Nick oh, Betts really? and Lamar lives just up the road and I've seen him. I did a sort of play reading at Watford <laughs> Palace. Like some kind of weird sitcom. It's re- well, that's what I wanted to do with Lamar. I said, why don't we do... I wrote to him. 
He came to see a play reading I was doing at Watford Palace Theatre just by chance. And I thought, I know that bloke. And I know, and he, I suddenly, it suddenly occurred to me who he was. And he's also a friend yeah. of a friend. And I got in touch with him and said, why don't we do a podcast about 80s music, which is called um, Eye to Eye with Lamal. <laughs> or, uh, you know, it seems to be obvious, Eye to Eye, the 80s. Yeah. Um, and he went, I'm... I'm 60 years old or something. I'm trying to do less, not more. So he wasn't really that interested. But I think, you know, there's lots of people I mean, at my age who... Le- I new album has just come out. So uh, Is that he true? would still be... A- <laughs> yeah. Is that true? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that. So he must be still doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What. Uh, oh, well, that's uh, his way uh, of letting me down nicely. <laughs> I believed him. Who cares? You've had you had dinner with Nick Beggs. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to tell you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, for track six, a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Well, I am uh, one of the sons of Pinner in Middlesex, so it would have to be Elton John. <clears throat> and, I mean, I really love Elton John's songwriting. Some fantastic songs. And I always feel really guilty because Dan Skinner and I on our Angelos and Barry podcast do a lot of piss taking of Elton. And we, you know, we've built up this ridiculous figure. There's no resemblance to Elton John. And I often think, not that he will ever hear it, but I think if somewhere down the line I ever meet him, and I would love to meet him. Uh, he might well say, oh, you're that bloke who does this horrible piss take. But it's meant affectionately. Uh, So the song I was thinking, you know, going through his back catalogue, the song that I honestly hand on heart, one of my favourite songs. (laughs) Here we go. Of all his back catalogue, it would be Step Into Christmas, which is my (laughs) favourite Christmas song. It's, okay. It's got it all going on. It's a lovely, lovely melody. Um, it's got all the tinkly. It's sort of so overproduced with sort of sleigh bells and and uh, you know lovely strings and it just reminds me of being about eight years old. And I think that Christmas, I think about seventy six. I think it's about seventy six. It really was magical. And I just remember that song. I, I don't think, even think we had Elton, Elton John's version. I think we had the Top of the Pops version from one of those yep. Hallmark cards. Uh, yeah. Hallmark, uh, not cards, LPs. Yeah. And um, it's just it's just sort of magical about Christmas. It reminds me of all the tinsel and all the glitter and all the excess because it's an absolutely full-bodied produced cacophony of Christmas chintz. Well, I reckon you're the only person I've ever met that said that's their favourite Elton John track. Yeah. And Christmas record. Yeah, yeah. I, there's something about it. Um, and also, you know, I, I find being 52, I am pretty, I'm, I'm pretty close to tears at any given moment. Someone said it was the menopause, middle-aged menopause. But there's something about that that I, you know... Uh, I don't know, there's something about the lyrics which I just I just like, you know, so it's nice to have you here. Um, you know, I'd like to thank you for the year, keep smiling. I don't know, there's just something kind of nice and uncomplicated about it. It's weird, isn't it, that, that, that kind of uh, 
when you get to you know your late forties and yeah. stuff like that, like all of a sudden your bottom lip seems to go a little oh. bit more, doesn't it? And it's like you, I just <sighs> I think it's really and especially if I've had like a couple of drinks oh, the night mate, before mate, and like the next mate. day I'll, it, it doesn't take a lot to catch me off guard. I was driving along and uh, and they played on Radio Two. Can you remember like the BBC charity version of? Um, uh, Perfect Day, the Lou Reed. Yes, one. yeah, oh yeah, those things, yeah, yeah. And I know. and there was just the bit where it was like such a perfect day, and it was the singer Gabriel, uh, Gabrielle, yeah, that yeah. that just sang the "I'm glad I spent it with you," yeah. and I was literally waiting to pull out a roundabout, <laughs> just burst into tears. Mate. I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Honestly, I've been honestly. reduced to a mess by Gabrielle. <laughs> Nowadays, that honestly, I'm that close to tears, and I and this is true. I said to my wife, I, I put it down to sort of COVID. I just said I find I'm cl- dangerously close to tears most of the time, and because uh, of yeah. COVID. And she said to me. Oh man up, who isn't? And so I said, Look, I'm entitled to cry. I'm a living, breathing human being. And she said, You missed out moaning. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you know, she'd keep me on the straight and narrow. I mean, she's a school teacher who's coming in contact with people who presumably are carrying COVID. Of course. So, me go, getting all sort of upset about it at home, <laughs> chatting to you, having a cup of tea, you know, she's having none of it. But no, I mean, th- th- it's amazing what trash, what obvious trash can make me cry. I mean, I always, oh. I've always had a little bit of a tear about the winner takes it all. You know, I understand. Oh, yeah, you've come to shake oh. my hand. And, you know, you've taken it all and I've been left with nothing. And But, oh, well, let's part as friends. Oh, God, it's, yeah. you know, you've come to shake my hand. The other one that really gets me going uh, is Wires by Athlete. Uh, which is about a premature baby in a box, uh, in, a, in an incubator. And I sort of quite enjoyed that, and I enjoyed the feeling sad about it until my brother had their, uh, you know, premature baby. And suddenly I thought, why am I enjoying the sadness of this thing? I can't actually listen to it because I've got the real thing happening. That's that's interesting, though. I mean, that, Joel from Athlete has gone on to, to write massive hits for... Lots of pop stars, man. He writes all of George Ezra's songs, oh, I believe. Oh, is that right? Really? Um, I think so. Um, but do you find that if like, you're feeling a bit a bit blue, yeah. you know, do you then go and stick on the greatest hits of Steps to kind of just get on with it? <laughs> or do you then reach for your Sunday's record and immerse yourself in, you know, in, in, in that and, and, and kind of, you know, embrace that? That feeling. In honest, in all honesty, I, I listen to ninety percent sad songs. Hmm. That seems to give me the biggest rush. Uh, this Stephen Wilson, who I met from Porcupine Tree the other day, he suggested a band, and his words are: they've got one joke, but it's a very good joke. <laughs> one trick, and it is. I see what you think of this band. You might hate this band. Cigarettes after sex. Okay. And they are, I said, now now this will interest you, Stu. I said to him, I want a band a bit like the Cocteau Twins with that lovely, almost celestial harmony that's just so kind of gets into your core, meets the Sundays. And he was wondering what that could be. It's lots of minor chords, lots of soul searching, painful, ripping your soul out of you. 
And he came up with Cigarettes After Sex. Terrible name for a band. Terrible name. Mm. But the, but it's it's and it's very simple and a very simple chord structure. But somehow it really works. So I want right. you to have a listen to to um, Falling in Love by Cigarettes After Sex. Right, I'll promise you. Please do, do. have a look, and, and you might think it's mawkish rubbish. Yeah, but this is the other thing about, about about this sort of being close to tears. Genuinely, you will think this is pretentious bollocks. Anyone listening to this will think it's nonsense. Honestly, as an actor and someone who's kind of grown up with this stiff upper lip British thing, where you don't burst into tears, I quite like having that at close quarters. I always think it's really good for you as an actor to have your emotions just below the skin. Yeah, it means it. It feels to me like it's not. You don't have to dig deep to make yeah. something real. And also, if I have to be in something and they say, can you get the tears up? <laughs> I find it quite easy nowadays. You know? in the That's fine. I've been operating as a fragile wreck for about <laughs> 10 years now. It's, it's right here. I might, Two sex. I might put that on my spotlight CV. <laughs> can burst into t- can turn to quivering wreck in a matter of seconds. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, you, you've just recommended a track, but for last, uh, the last track on the playlist, uh, Alex, it is your turn to, to, to recommend as well. And it's a favourite, um, it's a song that many people may not know that you would like them to hear. Okay. My daughter, Georgia, uh, is an actress and a singer. She's just been in the series The Alienist for Netflix with Dakota Fanning. Don't ask me how. I've never seen her do any acting. And in the way, the arrogance of youth, she's bowled into that. Filmed that series and she has a record publishing deal and she has a manager and all this sort of stuff. And uh, she goes under the name of Glow. And her song is called um, You Don't Even Call Me On My Birthday. And uh, it's kind of pop, a little bit R&B. And she seems to be making waves uh, with that glow. Oh, perfect, perfect choice there. Um, well, what we do is we put all of these tracks that we've spoken about, uh, obviously your choices and some of the other ones that we've discussed throughout this chat on a Spotify playlist to accompany this, this natter. Um, we're, uh, we, we're just at the end of the year and looking into to 2021. Alex, what are you looking forward to personally and what have you got happening professionally? I am looking forward to personally my kids being able to get out and about and get on with their lives. I, that really upsets me, you know, as I've been droning on about for the last half an hour. It's I've had a great time in my youth and I feel slightly... I don't want to see them cheated out of, you know, not being able to go out and meet people and get it's on crazy. with things. My daughter's 18th birthday three weeks ago yeah. and, like, sat indoors and had a dinner with us it's like 18 it ain't right you want to be out I know Uh, absolutely so I really want them to be able to get out there and get on with things Uh, professionally I am back on tour doing my Clinton Baptiste UK tour that's later in the year I really, really, if that is cancelled for like a fourth time, I will just... (laughs) Honestly, it was going to happen a few months later, then it was going to happen in the new year, then it was going to happen in the spring, now it's in the autumn of 2021. So I I really, really want to spend most of the year getting that show ready. It's not actually written. I've got the poster design, I've got the costumes, I've got everything, but it's not written. So that's that's the main thing. I want to get out and about doing that tour. Wonderful. 
Alex, thanks so much for your time today, uh, mate. It's really been lovely having it. a chat. I really hope I didn't bang on too much for most people out there. Sorry if I it was too self-indulgent. <laughs> You people, and I know all you musician types will think it's the shittiest choice of <laughs> music ever. Tough shit. Tough shit. Tough he's shit. Had, he's had dinner with Nick Beggs. Yeah, I'm an actor, aren't I? I'm not a bloody musician. Oh, God. Lovely. Thanks, Alex. All right, thank you. There you go. Wonderful. And for, what you couldn't see was there was a huge backdrop of Clinton Baptiste um, behind Alex as we was having this chat, and and it was it was quite uh, it's quite weird, especially when we was talking you know seriously about things. I've just got <laughs> Clinton Baptiste just peering over his shoulder, looking at me, which was uh, which was quite a, quite an impressive thing to see. Um, oh, it was wonderful. What we carried on having a good good chat afterwards, and uh, yeah, what a, what a lovely guy. And uh, and look forward to to hopefully sort of um, recording more bits and pieces with with Alex in the future. Um, thanks to you lot for listening. Um, much appreciated. As mentioned at the beginning, go and explore the back catalogue because there's a big bundle of episodes for you to get stuck into over there. And you know, from musicians such as Chuck D, Mel C, Tommy Lee, they'll they'll rhyme. Um, Suede, oh gosh, Fat Boy Slim. Um, obviously, we spoke at length about the, the House Martins on this podcast. So go and hear me talking to Norman Cook um, about that. Yeah, just go and have a rummage. I'm sure you'll find one that you like. And uh, yeah, www.offthebeatentrackpodcast.com. Thanks loads, guys. I'll see you next time. Bye bye. I've got an announcement. Save our souls clothing. www.sosclothing.com. .co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, They've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk do a bit of shopping see what you like throw it in the basket and then on the way out put in the discount code BEAT15 B-E-A-T-1-5 and that'll save you 15% off amazing right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast 
It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.